Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Have you got a ticket to ride? Oh, I wish I had. Have you got your bicycle clips on? I certainly have, yes. Is your crash helmet to hand? Yes. Good. It would seem then that you're fully prepared and ready to... Join ride. ride. Start and then you can t- uh, you can carry on. Okay, after you. Shall I give you a, a real big bit of bluster? Please Brad, do. You ready? Yes. He's the greatest country <laughs> and western singer that there's ever been, ever, ever, <laughs> ever. You carry on. That's quite a good start. A man, a man who has many Grammys. A man who is a kindly and good man, and a man with a great voice. A man with great records. He's here. It's Brad Paisley. Hello, Brad. Hey, how's it going? That that, that is some bluster right there. That's full bluster, that isn't it? It's great you could join us today in in Nashville. We spoke to Joe Bonamassa recently. He was in Nashville, and of course, Joe has a big. He's a big collector of of guitars, obsessively. Uh, in fact, one might say. I mean, the collector's gene with him is so much so that he's got 450 guitars. Are, are you a collector of anything, Brad? Yeah, I would say I collect guitars. I mean... Um, How many have you got? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think it's nearly what Joe has, but it's it might be... I might be halfway to his his problem, but Joe has a problem. He's got an addiction that is probably something he needs help with. I mean, he's he's <laughs> I got mean, a niche so he can't scratch. Yes. But I yeah, think it's unbelievable. <laughs> but I think is it like Oscar Wilde said with temptation you either have to avoid it or yield to it and with Joe he's yielded to those guitars. Joe yeah, Joe's story is really fascinating that way and just you know knowing what he does and how he his his sort of hobby revolves around finding these perfect specimens in places and also rescuing I like rescuing guitars. I like I like finding that vintage guitar that that sort of needs help and and buying that and and making it what it ought to be um there's there is something about you know in in justification for our addictions there's something about vintage instruments that the stories and the travels and the the things that have happened around that piece of wood are kind of contained in it they're they're horcruxes they're 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 these things that from harry potter they're magical uh magical items that sort of i feel like anybody who owned a guitar you feel that in it and so i think in our defense these are uh these are historical items right i think that's right but do you think i mean i've had you know i'm a piano player really but i play the guitar a little bit and i've bought guitars only in america when i've been on tour over the years just if i but if i pick one up and i'm no great guitarist but if i pick one up 
and it just has a nice feel. I feel as though whoever played it before me, who's had it, it always feels like somebody has owned that thing for years and they've just been playing nice songs or something on it. Is you, you get a vibration. Is that what happens to you when you when you pick them up? Without a doubt. I feel like sometimes guitars are magical right off the assembly line or right off the when it, whenever they're made, but a lot of the times it takes memories need to be made with that instrument for it to feel right you know I, I bet you feel that way about a new piano too it's sort of like feels like it needs to season or something well right? my, my piano i would you know i'm not a piano player but i've got an exceptional piano at home which used to be uh, in the itv rehearsal rooms from the early 70s through to the 90s so everyone who was on itv which is at a british tv channel right People like Les Dawson, Morecambe and Wise, they've they've all played on this piano. Well that will have some that will have some effect. I did buy a piano actually once in a store in Texas, an old Wurlitzer spinet, the same as the one that's in Sun Studios, because I've just been in Sun Studios with a it's a nineteen forty nine Wurlitzer spinet upright jangling piano. So when you play it, you sound like Jerry Lee Lewis. And I just yeah. felt this had been in someone's home and they'd just been playing. I just knew they were nice people. I just knew this. They'd played, they'd sat around this piano and it had given them lots of pleasure. And it was my, and immediately it became my friend. And unbelievably, um, they tried to say, say, oh, you don't want that one. Let's sell you a new one. I said, no, no, I really want this one. Uh, I sort of paid for it. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money. And unbelievably, it was then delivered in a box sort of about three months later just when i thought hey they've scammed me here and i've they've completely forgot they've just taken the money and we'll never see him again it turned up and i've got it here in my studio and it's like my old friend so it's like yeah. it's like an old friend that you're caressing and 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 being part of and you're right the piano do, do that i do do caress it don't know in a yeah. private moment <laughs> but the 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 piano i uh, like the guitar there's no two that are alike but when you get a particular yeah. guitar, does it inspire you? To, when you get a new instrument, does it then inspire you to write a song? It does, I think, especially acoustic guitars. I mean, acoustic guitars are are also, they're another level. I mean, you know, things like old Fenders are magical in their assembly, but they're very simple. They're a slab of what I've always called a Telecaster. A, it's a cutting board with a neck. You could basically chop vegetables on the back you know, and then play the front if you'd want. You but, could do that live. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, uh, that'd be fun, actually. But the <laughs> the uh, the thing about an acoustic is it's sort of a, a feat of, of engineering, the, the way that the bracing and the wood and the vibration and everything, and it's got to be this very, very special, crazy, you know, conglomeration of stuff that becomes magical. Um, there's songs in them. I mean, I think an old guitar, the, the I, uh, I, my favorite guitar is uh, acoustic one is a 38 Martin D 28 that, you know, I bought because I always wanted one of those, they call them pre-war, you know, pre-world war two guitars. Um, they're very special. And I bought one with, uh, uh, uh with some insurance money that I'd gotten after the Nashville flood that, I literally just wanted one. And then the stories that came with it after I bought it, it's, it's a long story, but the family found out I bought this because it was dropped off for me at the Opry. I was doing a thing with little Jimmy Dickens and they brought the guitar to me at the Opry 
after I purchased it. And they said, oh, you should play that. So that's the guitar. The first time I ever play that guitar publicly is when they put the circle of wood back in the Opry house after the flood. And it's me and Jimmy Dickens standing there playing it. Then I come to find out that the family that owned it is from my home place in West Virginia. And the man moved away in, in the war to uh, he went he went to California. So I, I didn't even realize this guitar was purchased by someone who worked with my grandfather. No. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. And and didn't know that until I played a gig the next weekend. They saw me on the news with that guitar. They had been notified that I had purchased their father's old guitar. They came to my concert in North Carolina where I was playing, which was another random spot. But the son had moved there at a concert on that weekend. He shows up at the gig and I bring him backstage and I said, so this was your dad's guitar. And he said, oh, yeah, he loved this thing more than anything in, in the world. And I said, have you seen it? And he said, no, I haven't seen it since he died. And I said, well, I've got it. I brought it. So I went back. I opened up the case and he started crying when oh, he saw it yeah. and sat in the in the back dressing room and played songs for them on it. And he didn't the son didn't play guitar and they just really wanted the right person to wind up with their father's treasured instrument. And the first song I ever wrote with that guitar, I got the guitar. I, I sat around, got together with a co-writer and we wrote the song. This is country music. Wow. And it felt like that song wanted to come from that guitar. So yeah. It came and out that, of the guitar. And that is country music, family mm -hmm. music, isn't it? That's a very touching it, it thing. Is. I think it's nicer when the family want it to, you know. I mean, Joe was talking about, Joe Bonamassa was talking about a guitar that they had, he had to have a seance with the, with the man that owned it, with the, with the late sort of owner of it, to make sure it was okay if he bought it. I wasn't sure, though, talking to Joe, if they weren't just doing all that for Joe to make sort of to, well, to, to yeah. not 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 just egg him on a bit. I don't know. I didn't like to say because we said to him, you know, what is the unicorn? What is the holy grail of your, of guitar collecting? And it was this particular guitar that he had. So I think there's. But moving along from guitars, moment, are Did, you a, are you a transport person? Do you do you? I mean, your life. Um, well, maybe not at the moment, but generally as, a, as, a, as an artist is one of, of touring. Is it touring and traveling something that you enjoy? Yeah, I, I, well, obviously it's essential to um, what we do uh, if you want to go play for people in other places. And that's been the hardest part about this pandemic. It is. It's something I, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it until obviously they took it away. And, you know, it's... Uh, there are there are things about traveling that are really that really get old, obviously. But when you're doing that musically, when you're doing that for a living and you are going and, and seeing the faces of people in, in other places as they respond to what you've made musically, it's the most rewarding thing in the world. And I, I've said this to a few people recently. They said, what do you miss the most? And I said, I miss, you know playing in in europe i missed playing the o2 i missed playing um yeah i mean norway sweden ireland all of and and especially london i i mean to me that has been the most surreal and groundbreaking thing was the fact that music has become so global and yeah i i've loved every aspect of being over there and playing for you guys i mean 
it's the experience of a lifetime to hear country music sung back to you in a British accent. Yeah. Oh, That's... I wrote a country and western song. Did you? Um, it's country music nowadays, of course, mate. Is it really? Yes. Just yes. country? Yeah, exactly. Got, the western's yeah. gone, is it? No, that was the that was that's uh, just saying, you know, just right. well, bringing you up to speed. It's western to you. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I know these roads like the back of my hand. I'm going for an op on my pituitary gland. Is that, <laughs> is that any good? It's not a bad song. It's, I don't know. It's the, it's the opener. Yeah, yeah, it's the. It's the don't it's, know what happens after that. I mean, I think the real part, the great thing about the great country song, and, and and Brad is the is the guru, not me. But my understanding was it was the simplicity of it and the raw beauty and the poetry at the same time. So it was it actually got you feeling. It was like an arrow straight to your heart of emotions. I'm not sure <laughs> that that one really. Yeah. If that one does it. <laughs> I was sunbathing in California once when and asleep and a horse leapt over me and woke me up as its testicles brushed me cheek. How fantastic. Are you serious? Uh, huh? No, I'm not serious. I just made that up. <laughs> but I, just, uh, I believed him. It's like this all the time. You didn't believe me for a second. I, I believed him for a moment. This happens every day. I think, wow, that's amazing. And then, oh, it's just another great big sort of fantasy. How about... How about mo- a fantasy, yeah. How, how, how about motor vehicles? Are you a car man? Do you like cars? I do. I, uh, I, I do. I like... Uh... I'm a big fan of Chevy Corvettes. Or that's sort of our classic sports car, obviously. Yeah. We love those. And, uh, I've had a couple of those. I love those. You know that Jeff Beck, who's a big friend of Jim's and mine, is not only a Corvette fanatic, he does all the work on them himself. Did you did you know that? I did not know that about and him. If I, that's amazing. On my Corvettes, if I had a problem, rather than ring the garage, I'd ring him first, which is maybe why they never worked. Yeah. I don't know. But, do you know what? I saw one in Kent in England yesterday and i thought that's almost like a ray of sunshine it was just yeah. you know a, it was a red corvette you know the old 50 60 yeah. one, and now uh, i thought that just looks fantastic doesn't it and what what do what court do you have a corvettes at the moment i do i got uh the oldest one i've got is a 61 which is the old white cove yes you know the, that white trimmed that's what i saw yeah red. yeah that that to me like you had to think back in the 50s when that came out, it had to be to see one of those going down the road had to feel like, you know, like you say, a ray of sunshine. But the same thing, um, the one I, I don't have that I'd love to have is is the 60s, the 60s version, which they call the Stingray, which is the the first one that had the split window and the in the back. and The 63 Corvette. Yeah. And when you think about that, had to look like a spaceship back then. That must have been like. Because that's still there's still no car that looks like that anywhere. Fantastic looking car and so optimistic looking car. They hadn't landed on the moon by then, but this car, Sam, we probably can land on the moon. Yeah. Everything's getting with the wars behind us. You know the depression, the 1930s. Everything's everything's. It was like everything's getting better, and this car is summing that up. Get in this car, and we can drive to where it's getting better. My yep. brother-in-law, who lives in New Jersey, bought one of those, but he said he got it because when he was a kid, he had a little model of it, a gold one. And when he got older and got some, he found the car, which, which was exactly the same as the little toy car that he had when he was a kid and bought it. I mean, that's, like, that's just you grow up and get the real thing. Did you have models of the Corvettes when you were small before? Yeah, I, I, had, uh, I had, you know, pictures all over my walls of, of them. And one of the first things I bought was in, in the early part of my career, I bought a used Corvette from a man. It was, it was a 99 
which was when they first started really becoming good cars again. And, and so I drove that around for a little while. And then since then I've had some new ones and I have the, I just went and took delivery at the factory of the newest, which is the, the mid engine now. And it is a, you talk about a work of art for the price they sell it. These new ones are really great cars. And, um, you know, for, as a kid growing up, dreaming of that i remember i remember in high school that it just felt like such a far-fetched pipe dream to ever own one of those because you know you're just scrambling you're scraping together money to get anything to drive and then the the uh the idea of the luxury of of being able to have a fun vehicle like that that's just a toy felt so out of reach so i mean i think that's a typical thing for a lot of musicians get to this point and go purchase that thing that they had on their wall that they didn't think they could get yeah uh, i had apollo you know, 11 on my wall but i can't <laughs> ever see that happening you had a what a- apollo 11 no i think yeah, you're, no, right. no, you're I- not going to be doing that no and is, has your car got the detachable hard top you mean the new one uh, no the the, the 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 1961 one yes it does that's quite good. Although it does take two people to take lift it on and off, I think, doesn't it? But if that's and, yes. and if you're going for a drive in your Corvette, it, where would you go? Where would you uh, in in either the new one or the old one? In the new one, I would go. That's that's just fun because it's the the, the thing is it's zero to sixty in under three seconds. It's, wow, it's crazy, you know. And that's just fun going on any back roads. I, what I love to do is when I have new music, is listen in a vehicle. Music to me is best with the road coming at you. And so I would, I would drive the new one for that. The old one would be mm. a specific situation where I know it's not going to rain. And I know it's also not going to be parked in a place where it's going to get the door danged or something. You don't want to. The 61 is a little nerve wracking to drive because you just don't want to hurt it. But the new one is one you can take anywhere. And we were talking earlier about the Batmobile because you're wearing a Batman hat. The Batmobile is the car that any every kid wanted. Yes. For me, I, I had a, mo- a little model of that. In fact, I had a model of it, and I used to, I took it to school. I loved it that much. And the teacher took it off me and said, I'm going to confiscate this. I was about nine, I think. I said to my friend, what does confiscate mean? He said, burn. Half. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying for you. So you thought you were going to have your Batmobile burned? Well, uh, yeah, and I was in tears. I said, please don't burn my Batmobile. Brad, did you ever have your eye? Did you have a poster of the Batmobile? Did you ever fancy one of those? Yeah, I think actually probably that car, along with a few others from television, led to, you know, my love of them. And I think I think a lot of us could point to the Batmobile as the way it begins with this sort of like when you're little... There's something about Batman for a little kid. My, both of my children are obsessed with comic books and that. And the Batmobile is a, is like a gateway. It's like you're into the car sort of obsession with it. It used to be that in the old TV shows, the action shows of the 80s and 90s, a car was essential. Think about the Dukes of Hazard and then General Lee and the, yeah. the Knight Rider. The Knight Rider car killed me too. Like that was like, oh my God, look at this. James Bond with Aston Martins. I mean, it's truly a, I feel like we don't do that enough in modern uh, pop culture like they used to, do they? I mean, James Bond, of course, still does with Aston, but um, for the most part, it seems like cars aren't a part of stuff. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. And here, a message from our sponsors. Jim, my garden hose always gets twisted and tangled when I'm watering my garden. Agonise no more. What you need is the No Not No More hose from Kingdom of Stopcocks. And how does this hose avoid entanglement? Simple. It's only three foot long. Boom shakalaka. (laughs) One thing I was going to bring up, just on another subject, is the store which uh, you've opened. And it's it's been a a tough time for everybody in in this uh, virus situation. Tell us a little bit about the the store. What's, What's happened there? The store is something that we started working on five years ago for Nashville. My wife and I spent a lot of time in Santa Barbara in California, which is an amazing little city north of Los Angeles. When we're out there, that's where we go. And one year she felt like our kids around Thanksgiving, she felt like our kids were acting spoiled. So she said, I'm taking them to volunteer at at a food charity today. So we asked around and they said, oh, you need to go to this place called Unity Shop. So we went there and met this older woman that had started this charity. And and it was basically the idea of what we kind of adopted for the store. And the store is, it's a grocery store, like a corner grocery almost, that feels like you're in a real grocery store. You walk in and you're there's a vegetable aisle and a food aisle over here. And the experience is so normal. You walk through, you pick out the items you need. You go to check out. Difference being that if you're there shopping and you're somebody who has qualified for this by either losing your job or ending up on hard times, you don't pay. It's a free grocery store. So we've been able to do this. And, and luckily, we had it all in place. We had our permit to open. And the city had approved it and we were ready to go last March. And all of a sudden, instead of a ticker tape opening where we announced, okay, we have this big charity, we're going to do this. And here's how you can come get some food if you're down on your luck. And instead, we, we just opened and we were able to start out first week of the pandemic feeding people. And we had to change our model, obviously, where you you know people weren't inside shopping this time last year at all. But They are, it has been an amazing thing. We thought we would do around 300 meals in the first or 300,000 meals in the first year would have been an amazing achievement in our mind. And we hit a million meals in January so far. It's a a brilliant thing to to congratulate you on. And of course, that's that's in Nashville, is it? Where it's set up? It is. Yeah. The most rewarding thing about the concept really is the normalcy 
when somebody, you know, and the dignity that comes with choice, as opposed to a lot of charities, a lot of food charities hand you a bag of food and it may not even be what you want to eat. But when you come in there with your family, you're pushing your kids around in a shopping cart. Um, you're able to pick out things. It feels so normal to the kid that you save face a little bit. That's I think one of the tougher things for a parent when they are down in their luck is this sort of feeling of they, they just, they don't like to let their children feel the pressure they're feeling. And so this, this kind of charity gives them um, a, a respite from that. I think it's a, such a, to be really congratulated, I think it's yeah. a, a brilliant so it's, thing to do and uh, really, really great. Now, out of interest, talking about journeys a bit, talking about cars and things like that, is there another form of transport that you particularly enjoy using? Do you look forward to plane journeys or boat journeys or, or even walking? What is your other favorite, what are <laughs> your favorite, or, or cycling? I don't I know. Think, I think planes, uh, there's something magical about it. When you can get on a vehicle in America, and see the sunrise in England, that's a pretty, I mean, it still feels like a miracle when you think about it. It's, it, you know, again, I, I, I'll never forget waking up uh, on an overnight flight and seeing Land's End out the window as, 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 you know, as we're heading for one of the first times to your, your side of the pond. And um, yeah, planes fascinate me. I'm not scared of them like uh, a lot of people are. No, I've got no fear, but it's great. I still get a thrill looking out of the window and looking at people's houses and thinking someone lives in there and yes. that's their life. They're in there now and they're having the dinner. Yes. And yeah. that's their life. And it, it really brings it down to you, doesn't it? It's like a great bit of empathy you feel with people. Yes. That's the most surprising thing, I think, is that as different as things can feel in another country, like when we land in England and you know you're driving on the wrong side of the road and all that, I still feel so it still feels deep down immediately. It feels like, oh, these are just people. It just feels so similar at the same time. Do you know why people drive on the right and the left? No. Well, imagine 200 years ago, before cars, you're riding along on your horse. Yes. And someone comes the other way. You've got to get your sword out and fight them. So you take your sword well, not out. Not always. I mean, that's, they might be a friend. Well, yeah, but if you were, you know, that's yeah. why. So you take your sword out. So you're on the left-hand side. You take your sword out and you can fight them, presuming that you're right-handed. And Napoleon was left-handed. So he changed it all around. Well, I, I, I really? don't, again, uh, Brad, I'm... I'm not sure I believe this. This is no, exactly. True. I was just going to say thank no. you for, thank you for listening. <laughs> no. But with me, I think, I think you're right to be slightly sceptical. It might be true. I did hear that the reason that in England they drive on the other side of the road is, or they started on that side of the road, is because in old London Bridge in the Middle Ages, in the 14th century, they had to work out, because it was very small, London Bridge, and it was the only bridge across the River Thames, they had to work out which side they were going to travel. It had to be one side or the other. And so they decided it was going to be what we have now. When you are in England, are you able to drive? Do you drive yourself ever? I have, and it... I thought I probably shouldn't be doing this. I did a lot of driving into Italy on one trip, and uh, that was really something. And, of course, in Germany, well, they're on the same side of the road, you know, they're, 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 yeah. they're, as you, but in well, Germany, the great exciting thing is, you know, you can drive, literally, if you're on the freeway, you can drive at 200 miles an hour. It's legal. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's legal. Unbelievable. I wish we all, I wish everywhere, I wish we drove on the right. 
It'd make things a lot easier, wouldn't it? It is interesting that you guys cling to this because it's kind of you and your territories, and that's it. Yeah, I think right? J- Japan and Australia. Are... Yeah, both islands. Yeah, both little islands. But there yeah. was, but there was one place where the, I think it was Sweden or somewhere where they had them drive, and then and then they said, right, we're going to change it because you know we're connected by land to these other countries, and it's we've got to, we've got to change this. And so at midnight on a certain whatever it was on the sort of midnight on, on the 14th of September 1959 or whenever it was they all then changed but I was thinking that's terrifying because if it was 10 past midnight and you're just leaving somewhere I mean do, do, does everybody know this I mean what a frightening right. idea yeah if you didn't get the memo it's yeah. lights out I remember driving in Los Angeles on a a 12 lane six lane trying to come off to go into the airport and I was nearly in tears it was so frightening when you get on those you know there's six lanes going that way and six lanes going the other way oh that yeah is, it's something terrifying. and and uh the only consolation is you have plenty of time to figure it out usually because you're stuck in traffic so you you're getting oriented between vehicles you're exactly. trying to pull off admiring the people on the other side now it's been fantastic speaking you to you today and it's so good of you to take the time from doing all of the work you've been doing in Nashville to chat to us one final question i just forgot because of some because in fact when we we've had we discussed this with a few of our, our um, guests inadvertently, which I've forgotten, which is because was, Joe was talking about the sort of the uh, guitar that was sort of had, a, had was, was possessed by a spirit. Jim here saw a ghost, which was a big egg at one point. Rita Wilson had a house that had a friendly ghost in it. Yeah. Have you ever come across a ghost in Nashville? Great question. There are ghost tours in Franklin. I personally have not uh, had any experience with a ghost here, but there are ghost tours in Franklin, Tennessee, where you can, and my family did this. I didn't, I didn't do it, but they, they walk you through downtown Franklin and you go to the various supposedly haunted houses. Franklin's an old civil war town. So it goes back to the 1800s and that city actually had a battle of the civil war. So there's, a lot of that. And um, one thing that happened to us was when we were over there uh, the last time uh, in, in Europe, we went to Siena for a night or two. Well, we were going to do two nights in Siena. And we only did one because we stayed in this old, old hotel in Siena. Um, and my wife, in the middle of the night, woke up to a shadow moving and something beat on her pillow and she shook me and was like, it was really like, she swears. She's like, I'm telling you, it, it like something came in here. And the room was weird. Like you went in and there were pictures of like, the, the paintings were like torture, oh. <laughs> like paintings of torture. And then in uh, my parents were down the hall in another room. And my dad had a similar situation where he had a dream about being like strangled. Like everybody was having these weird hallucinations, but me. And so we got out of there. We actually left and went and stayed in Florence the next night. I think I must be a bit like you. That's what everybody around me would be sort of seeing these sort of apparitions and I just sleep through the whole thing. I know. I, and I'd love to see one. Yeah. Longing to see one. Exactly. Can't, yeah, exactly. Right. There's still time yet. Good. Well, it's been fantastic having you as our guest here. Thank you very much for joining us. Brad Paisley. Thank you, Brad. Thank you, guys. Can't wait to see you again. Well, there goes Brad in his Corvette. 
Yes. Um, Driving to, on the uh, correct side of the road. Yes, on the right side of the road. Off to uh, organise his store. What exactly. a great, what a great what fella. A, what a great fella to do all of that. Really, that's right. He's a very modest, a very nice fellow, and got a Corvette. So no, nothing not to like. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.